Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I'm Gumshoe Tom. We are Team Binge. We are here for the finale, episode six of True Detective Night Country. Tom, it's 14 days of night that we have endured mm-hmm. in Ennis, Alaska, and all was finally revealed to us. <laughs> Do you feel good, bad, indifferent? Do you wish Navarro was the killer? Let's just dive into it. Do you feel good? Yeah, I feel, I mean, I feel very satisfied by this conclusion. It was definitely not what I had imagined they were going with the story. Um, I think the twist of who the murderers of the Zalal facility was, was definitely out of left field. I didn't see it coming. And I think initially I was kind of like bummed. But the more I kind of thought about it, was doing like research for the podcast, the more I enjoyed what they were doing. Like I enjoyed that they did like spiritual or like mystical elements um, that you could use to explain the series, or you can try to look at it more from like a, a factual standpoint of how certain events happened. Um, so I love the ambiguity that the show ended up kind of giving us and allows you to kind of choose your own adventure for the ending. Oh, wow. You? Um, uh, no, I'm not satisfied. I refuse to be <laughs> satisfied in this life or the next. Uh, I'm an American, so I want more. I want what I don't have. And there are some things that, uh, no, I enjoyed this finale. I thought they did a good job. Once again, the series kept me through all of it. I feel like they cheated a little bit, which is fair. I don't think you can have it both ways. I don't think it can be supernatural and also Mm -hmm. based in reality. So I just, we can talk about it as we go into just like what Navarro saw, all the people pointing. Uh, We essentially don't get a, we don't get an explanation of that, right? We just, that's just something chalked up to night town in Ennis, right? Yeah, I mean, they make mention that this town is like, it has a history of like seeing ghosts or seeing dead people. And Rose mentions at one point, like the way the ghosts kind of interact with you is just different. Um, and I think from Navarro's standpoint, and again, the catalyst for all this could just be these people are spending this massive amount of time in the dark, so they're depressed and they're finding ways to cope with it. Obviously, the mine has been poisoning the uh, city to some extent, so you don't know Allegedly. what of that. We're <laughs> still, we are still waiting on the ruling from a judge <laughs> who I have under good authority is in the mine's <laughs> pocket. So I think we're going to be okay, Tom. You and I were always on the side of the mine, and uh, I think we're going to be okay. So allegedly, mm-hmm. please, is the <laughs> term scary. we'd like to be used. They have allegedly been poisoning the city. Um, but again, I think it's... And, and Navarro and Danver, or sorry, Navarro's like family history has like history of mental illness. So you don't know how much that plays into it, which again, I kind of like that you don't know exactly what is kind of causing all this, but the way they told the story, I thought was very, very cool. Okay. Let me ask you this. Is Navarro for the rest of her life going to have dead people pop up and point at her? Or did we solve it by like solving these murders? I... Uh, it's a good question. I will hold that until the very question. end of the podcast. Tom, I'll hold it to the end. Tom, I have... it's a great question. <laughs> it's an incredible question. The best question. The best. A lot of people are saying it's the best question. I just, <laughs> a lot of people. You asked the right question. Good Good for you. Oh, thanks. Um, but no, I, I have thoughts about, I even think the way they ended Navarro's story is, is kind of ambiguous. Like whether she is actually still alive in the very end of it, I think is up for debate. But we'll get there. I'm sorry, who, whether or not who is still alive? Navarro? Navarro. Navarro, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, oof. Now I don't feel like my question was very good. 
Now I feel like I was asking the wrong question because you seem to have some theory. I guess I should have read the outline before we started this conversation. Yeah, um, fun. This wouldn't be the. I mean, this wouldn't be the only time you've had an outrageous claim about Navarro. Um, so I guess sure. we're. I guess we're okay. Let's dive into it. Uh, we start with they're trying to find the entrance into these ice caves. A couple of things here. One, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I shall not be entering the slightly less than person-sized hole into the ice. I do like how Danvers is constantly like, Navarro, you got this. Like, you go ahead. Is it safe? I'll be up here. I, I did not I did not like this. And especially I don't like someone going into an ice cave and being like, I feel it. Do you feel the evil? Mm. I feel like it was so terrifying. Like they, they find this little patch, which I guess is what Otis showed them. I, they said early on that Otis like mapped out these caves. So I guess we'll just kind of suspend belief and think that they know exactly where they're going. But again, I think that plays to like the mystical element. Is she, is something like following her or leading uh, Navarro to this underground facility that Solal has? I think it's kind of cool. Did you um, not, but- did you not see the wood shack that it had the sign painted on it that said Otis's magical evil caves <laughs> tours, $5. You didn't see that sign. Yeah. He used to, he used to walk people around in these caves, mm-hmm. old Otis uh, entrepreneur. They called him. Listen, I don't know what ice caves actually look like, but if they look like this, it's so cool. Like like the sheen and shine of the walls. Like I don't know if this is actually in an ice cave or it's just set design, but super, super cool. Yeah, but, one, but, one day I'd like to Google image them and experience them, and that's as close <laughs> as I'd like to get to them. Yeah, but I think when they say like they feel evil, I feel like that's just the innate like human nature, right? Where you, you fall into this situation and, you, and just fear and adrenaline starts kind of pumping. So they realize like, hey, we're getting closer to solving this this murder and what happened here. So I think it's a little bit of that. Oh, um, so so you don't think they're actually, okay. See, I don't know if we can have it both ways. I don't know that there can be a supernatural element and then there's not a supernatural element. I think we it's, need it's be a to long determine <laughs> right now which one is which. I'll take the side that you least feel good about, and then you take the other side, and then we'll go from there. No, I know you're you're a man of science. You take science. I'll take spiritual. That, no, no, I reject science. <laughs> I reject science one hundred percent. No, thank you. Um, they, they say in this, the Earth is a flat circle. They said it mm-hmm. in this episode. I believe were the exact words. Maybe it was time. I don't I think remember. It's time. Go on. Uh, all right. Um, Navarro at some point is like, hey, it's right here. Let me enter this narrower cave. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, no, thank you. I, yeah. no. My first thought was like, they really should have brought rope, right? Like that you tie to some sort of ice pick at the entrance of the caves because you're going to get lost very quick. Yes, much like the brothers in Boondock Saints, you should always take a rope. <laughs> yeah. And uh, once again, I don't want to be... I don't want to be in an ice cave under the ground. I don't want to be led by uh, someone who's like, oh, let's go into the narrowest spot. And then to add that person be like, oh, can't you hear it? She's calling. I'm be like, um, that's like three nopes. That's like <laughs> no to ice cave, no to narrow ice cave, no to partner that hears spirits. No, thank you. That's strike one, two, three right there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is always, I've always been strong proponent of three strike rule. And that's mm-hmm. my three strike rule. Um, and this is all, I mean, this all leads to Navarro falls through and then guess what? <laughs> Danvers falls through. 
I love the comedy of the scene. Like Danvers, like I'll go, I'll go get help. I'll go find a rope. And then boom, she just falls through. Like it was great. I felt it in my old bones. Like <laughs> when she hit. The, have you ever fallen on ice? Like you've been at the ice rink and you fall down. Ice oh, is that was like 10, 12 feet right there too. Oh, ice is harder than anything in the world. That's what <laughs> science says. I know. I looked it up in a science book once. Uh, who shows up, Tom, but Raymond Clark, and then we discover mm. this uh, ice laboratory. My biggest question about all of this was, it seems to be pretty close to the Salal station, and I don't feel like... Uh, are these guys bad detectives, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I mean, an argument could be made if, if they were heading towards some entrance of this ice cave and Salal's kind of in the distance, they might put two and two together, but because it didn't show them walking for very long. So I think the show is just playing a little fast and loose, but but I'm okay with it. Oh, you, okay. It'd be, oh man, I don't know. They like go to the, they go to the entrance to this ice cave and Salal's sign is like right there. They're like, <laughs> oh, this is probably not related. These don't connect in any way. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like this was just bad detective work. Some things that I skipped over inside this laboratory is a star-shaped tool that I guess is for like maybe taking ice samples. And so mm-hmm. that looks like the murder weapon. Um, there were some cool spirals in the ceiling. Were those bones? Yeah, we caught a glimpse of it from Annie's video that she sent. Um, but now that we kind of zoom out a little bit, I mean, maybe this is the origin of that spiral and and we'll get to it later, but like the, the women um, that ultimately kind of end up doing these murders and everything talk about how they awoke something digging into the ice. Um, And I'm wondering if that's, again, like they're right here in this little spot, if this is the origin of kind of all the spiral shenanigans. Hmm. Yeah, apparently it's driving everyone mad. Um, Mm -hmm. Driving, Danvers mad is that Twist and Shout is playing again. Um, which once again, why? Like, is this Raymond is just playing it as loud as possible? Why Twist and Shout? Because she has an emotional connection to Twist and Shout. Like that's real, right? She it's literally playing on the DVD player. Yeah, I mean, other people hear it, so it's not just her. Uh, you can make arguments for like other things that happen when she sees like a hubcap go flying by or Navarro seeing the oranges like some of that stuff I don't think is real and it's just kind of in their mind but the twist and shout thing is a little bit weird I don't know if I can make well now that you've brought up the hubcap I've got I've got a lot of questions is everyone just tripping <laughs> on acid in this show and so we can't believe what we're like what anyone's seeing <sighs> speaking of believing what we're seeing the best is we cut back to old Pete cleaning up the cleaning up the blood and it felt like a 409 commercial that bottle was like prominently labeled towards camera they're like hey actor pete uh hey can you turn that bottle just uh a quarter this way yeah we gotta get that sponsorship money from big 409 oh yeah a big product placement i'm pretty sure their new slogan is want to escape daddy murder justice (laughs) oh that's good that's good um all right Tom, I'm not going to lie. When the wet footprints showed up and Navarro was following them, uh, I did that thing where I stopped looking at the TV and I kind of looked <laughs> elsewhere because I knew there was going to be a jump scare. And I was like, I'll just I'll just not look this straight on whenever the dead person. Uh, I uh, They didn't give us a jump scare in this episode. They like played it up, but no dead bodies, no pointing, right? 
Yeah, Raymond Clark was kind of a jump scare where they kind of did the flashlight and he's just there in the ice cave. But other than that, everything was just creepy. And like even the way these footprints are, like they don't make any sense for there to them to be here. But like the last footprint she sees like disappears in the wall. Like it, it can't physically happen, but that's what she sees. It's just it's cool. It's they're, they're all on drugs. They're all on drugs, and I yep. don't believe anything they show us. Danvers gets locked in the freezer, which is just classic. You're in Ennis, Alaska in a blizzard and you get locked in a freezer. The irony, there's like layers there. <laughs> I feel like she panics, like she can't get out of here. And she eventually, what, throws a chair through it. But like, you have a gun. Like, you can shoot through this glass, I'm assuming. Right, exactly. Shoot the chair at the, the glass. Smart. <laughs> exactly. Why use your arms when you can use the gun? <laughs> to shoot the chair closer. <laughs> yes. uh, all right. Uh, Navarro gets hit with a fire extinguisher. I audibly said, oof, I bet that hurts. Uh, and then she gets dragged very quickly. Uh, she comes to and starts beating Raymond. Um, and, uh, thank goodness the show lets us know that because of the weather, no one can radio or know anything or do anything because of the weather. I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, story writing. Thank you. We get it. Leave these characters alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Pete and Leia conversation. I don't know. At this point, don't we just let Leia in on the... And, and I was told by my spouse I say her name wrong, but I'm not going to change it because I'm flawless and uh, haven't made Is a mistake. Leia? Yes, I don't know. You've been know. saying Leia? I don't know. Uh, anyways, Star Wars Leia uh, and Pete <laughs> have a conversation. And he's like, shouldn't we just let her in on the murder? I mean, aren't we... Are we... I mean, we tried to keep her away from the corpsicle. I would imagine at this point we probably shouldn't bring her into the conspiracy that they're all attempting. Um, but I do appreciate that Pete, throughout this whole conversation, is, I would argue, poorly trying to hide this tooth on the wall based on where K- or Leia was and, and his positioning. He was more blocking it from the camera than from probably where she was. But, I mean, super creepy and awesome detail. Sure. And the fear there is that Leia, of course, would recognize Hank's molar. And she'd be like... Why is Hank's molar in the wall, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he's... Oh, yeah. yeah. This town is all about oral hygiene. They know each other's teeth. That's true. That's a good point. Good point. The old drive back to Kayla, which I've got some conversations about. Let's talk about this, and it's skipping ahead a little bit, but uh, he like starts. He drops off Leah. He starts to drive away, and then Kayla jumps in the car with him, and he's mm-hmm. like, I did something bad, and then the Taylor Swift song plays. And then she kisses him, and it's like, so, so Kayla just wants, uh, she just wants to be married to a criminal. She loves crooked cops. What's going on here? Why did? I feel like it was. It kind of gave us a little bit of closure. It was probably done a little bit too fast, but ultimately, I think there's just still love there, and she clearly sees her husband in distress here. Um, and I think when, even when the scene ends, she says something to the, the thing to Pete to say, hey, stay safe. I'm like, oh, Pete's, Pete's a goner. Like, when you had first mentioned that a couple episodes ago, like, I just couldn't get that out of my mind that Pete is kind of like not an innocent guy for any by any means, but it seemed like he was kind of destined for some sort of death. Uh, death. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm still waiting for him to die. Um, <laughs> this felt like when George Costanza gets like a leather jacket and becomes a you know, becomes a bad boy and the mm-hmm. women swooned him, um, which I always found surprising because George is a catch. So I don't know why all women don't swoon towards George Costanza. But uh, going back to the Salal station, it feels like Dan, it feels like Danvers and Navarro have tortured people before. They, they're very, mm-hmm. 
like practiced at this. They tie Raymond to a chair. I shouted Alaska Justice. Um, <laughs> and then they just like put earphones in his ears playing uh, Annie Kotak's death over and over again. This mm. this just seemed like someone had spent some time at uh, Abu Ghraib. Uh, <laughs> I think I pronounced that right and people will get that reference. But um, I don't know. This this seemed practice, right? They They like... They didn't play good cop, bad cop. They were just like, bad cop, bad cop. Yeah. <laughs> and let's make this guy's life terrible. Yeah, just some good old-fashioned torture. And man, this is this is absolutely brutal to do this to this guy. And again, I feel like you talked about being kind of unreliable in terms of what we're seeing. As we start talking to Raymond here, I do feel like this is definitely a unreliable narrator. And I don't understand if we're supposed to take everything he's going to say here at uh, at face value. Yeah, yeah. Also, those headphones are probably ruined. I just don't. Also, who's using wired headphones? Uh, I have so many questions about the headphones. Were they knockoff? Were they real Apple earbuds? Mm-hmm. What were they? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, asking the tough question. I would argue you're asking the wrong questions, but keep going. Okay, okay. Uh, also, speaking of tough questions, I don't feel like they ask him enough stuff. Like, they leave him very quickly. I'd have so many questions. You've got him taped to a chair. Just give it a try. Don't torture him first. Ask first. Maybe Raymond wants to talk. He's like, they take the, the, the blindfold and the things out of his ears, and he's like, I've been waiting to tell you guys this. I gotta go to the bathroom. Like, he's got, like, they don't really give him a chance. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, I, I was going to say they're going to try to butter him up t- for this future interrogation. Yeah, but, him in I butter. mean, what's the opposite of <laughs> what's the opposite of buttering him up? Because that's kind of what they're doing. You cover him in salt. I think salt okay. is the opposite of butter. You're salt him up. In that's the popcorn, in the popcorn world, salt is the opposite of butter. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. We have some rating of the Salal kitchen, which. What is the orange thing in this show? Why, why, why did the oranges <laughs> matter? Did we all? I love spend, all your questions. I, what? Why? What? Why? What? It was, why? Yeah, they didn't give us a mass amount of uh, explanation for, it other than the fact that um, Navarro's mom loved oranges, so that's kind of why they're seeing them. So she apparently peeled a bunch of them, and I think later on, uh, Dammers is even having an orange peels it, and it creates that spiral shape again. So I like how that kind of came full circle and we're getting just more of the spiral imagery yeah but like what was the payoff there it's just like oh i mean essentially what that said to me is like oh you could see spirals in anything if you want to like what Mm -hmm. like why why (laughs) i think well that's where i think it's interesting about the spiral because it's to your point it's kind of in everything it's like numbers you can kind of like make them into whatever you want but i think the idea of the spiral being used for different purposes where hunters use it to mark the thin ice. Um, these cults are using it as some sort of like demonic symbol. Uh, I kind of like the idea that it has different meanings to different people. I would love to watch the next episode of this show where Navarro and Danvers go to a coffee shop. Someone pours cream into their coffee and stirs it. It turns <laughs> into a swirl. These two look at each other, they wink, and then they murder that person because that person <laughs> accidentally made a spiral. I don't know. I just... Whew. I enjoyed all of this time. I love this show. Let's move on. Um, we have... Uh, what was the... There's like glass on the ground. Yeah, Danvers, like, she's getting more hallucinations of her okay. like, walking up accident. to the car accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again... 
Why is she having hallucinations? Why are they in the water, man? I'm pretty sure they're bottled water people, but I could be wrong. (laughs) So we find out that Annie found out what they were doing. And I got to be honest, I had to rewind and replay the explanation of this several times. And my spouse, who is much smarter than me, um, then explained it to me. And I don't know that I still understand. (laughs) Uh, All it was ultimately was like, hey, we told the mind to make more pollution. And I was Mm -hmm. like, ooh, Captain Planet's not going to like that. (laughs) I don't. I, I was confused by all of this as Raymond was explaining the whole plot of the show, or at least the backdrop of the show. Yeah, we had that conversation with that geologist teacher guy um, talking about what Salal was doing, and the researchers were trying to find, you know, sequence some DNA to be able to cure cancer, cure aging. I don't know some like you know mega science kind of going on to to help the greater good. Um, so I think what ultimately is happening is like these semi-well-intentioned scientists wanted to try to find and they seemingly cracked some sort of code to be able to make that science happen. And they needed the pollution that was being produced from the mine to be able to do something to that permafrost. Like I I was fine with the way they kind of gave the explanation. And again, Jurassic Park isn't going to build itself. So I'm pretty sure that's what they were doing is they were trying to find that mosquito down there to be able to build Jurassic Park. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. that's a good point. That's a good point. Instead, a bunch of people just died, unlike the real Jurassic Park, which is running swimmingly to this day. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Annie found out the truth, and she started to destroy their work, which leads to some stabby stabbing going on. I was like, "Mm, okay, so Lund, our uh, limbless fella who probably (laughs) lived the longest and suffered the most, uh, stabbed her to death, and... I don't know. Did each crew member like stab too? This I don't know. This was all a little bit confusing. It was like Lund mm-hmm. was doing it, and then everyone else was like, "Oh yeah, 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 I'll join." This seems like fun. <laughs> I don't know. It was terrible. When I was watching, I was like, "Oh, we got a good old fashioned like Murder of the Orient Express kind of thing." Oh, like spoiler, every one of these scientists did it. Spoiler that movie <laughs> that books from the nineteen forties. You got you can't spoil it for people. What's, what's the wait? I got to wait 100 years before I spoil anything? That's exactly right. Yes. Um, <laughs> when you're 100 years old. They're, I'm with you, though. Like These are seemingly good scientists trying to do like their best to solve this whatever. Like You figure there'd be one reasonable guy in the mix saying, like, hey, maybe we shouldn't just murder this woman, right? Like, uh, so, the, so the goal of Salal is to find something that keeps people from dying. They're like, we want everyone else to live except for you. And then yeah. they did some stabbing. I don't know. I guess the essentially they're like in the middle of nowhere. They've gone a little bit mad and she's destroyed their research. So it puts mm-hmm. them years behind. They kind of make the Salol guys seem a little bit cultish, but you don't really get that vibe from them. They just, you know, I guess, I don't know. <sighs> I guess what you're saying, Tom, is that Annie was the bad person and um, you were okay with her premature death. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, you don't you don't break other guys stuff. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to get you in trouble. Um, We would like to go on the record of saying we are against Annie being murdered, um, but I'm also against science. So kind of figure (laughs) out where I'm at in terms of a barometer.
Ray, okay, so it is established. Well, I wrote this too quickly, but it was like Raymond <laughs> didn't help with the murder. And then I was like, oh, never mind. He finished the job, which at a certain point might be seen as a mercy, but also the show kind of leaves us conflicted with what goes on here. Yeah, to me, it's it was very interesting storytelling because he says he didn't do it, but then the flashback... He says he didn't hurt her. He says he doesn't yes. hurt her multiple times. Mm-hmm. But then the flashback clearly shows that he did. Um, and the other thing to note here, I don't feel like when we got like the police reports or anything like that, they said anything about Annie being strangled. It was all just like the stabbing and like the tongue. Like you figured strangle would have kind of come up if this really did happen. But I kind of like the concept of this paralleling their like Wheeler story where both of them are kind of saying one thing happened, but then showing us a version of the events that potentially really took place. But again, I don't know. Raymond is clearly an unreliable narrator here. Right, right. And that's probably because he's been bound, gagged, and made to listen to um, screaming <laughs> for oh. 30 minutes. No, twist and shout. <laughs> Actually, that'd probably be worse. Um <laughs> But do you, I mean, do you, do you think there's anything to that where maybe this, all the soul scientists didn't like do it together, but this was just Raven kind of snapped and he did it all himself? Because there is like, there, there's reason to say that what he's saying in this backstory of him, like showing him strangle her is not true because there's like a power outage in the video that we see from like Annie's video that she takes where it kind of clicks in and out. But in his version of him going down there and like, attacking Annie after she'd been stabbed a bunch of times. There's no like flickering of power. It's like there's there's inconsistency, I think, in this backstory. Oh, I thought there was a power flash during this uh, flashback, but maybe I maybe I imagined it. No, I, I think the Salal guys being involved in Annie's murder makes sense. I think the flashback from Raymond is a guy that's so riddled with guilt that he's trying to... I mean, he knows he's guilty. That's why he commits mm-hmm. suicide in the end here. But I, I think, as we all do it, because we're the authors of our story, when we like remember a misdeed or something we've done, and once again, I've never been convicted of murder, but uh, you convicted. try and kind of paint yourself in the best light. I think that's what's happening here, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I don't think it was him alone and all these Salal guys were innocent. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the because they're they're not innocent because they are slowly stabbing Mother Earth with pollution, and that yeah. is enough to condemn them to die. Listen, you can make an argument that like the the big bad here is is climate change, right? They kept digging too far into the earth, and the earth fought back. Right, and that Balrog came out, killed Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right. He's like, ah, the project could have saved so many lives. And we find out that they weren't the ones, the Salal guys weren't the ones that cut out um, Annie's tongue. So do we ever figure out who did the tongue cutting and the tongue leaving and the tongue collecting? Do we I know? don't know. I mean, I think it's implied that like Hank did it maybe as like to send a message because he's the one that moved the body, right? Like to send a message saying like, hey, don't talk about the mine or this is what's going to happen to you. But I don't know if he like left the tongue at the facility because it gets back at the Salal station. And that's kind of like the catalyst for the majority of this investigation. It kind of tied Salal mystery of these guys leaving to Annie. So like, I don't know if it was Raymond. Did Raymond like keep it? Like the tongue seemed like perfect when they did find it on the on the uh, 
at the station. So I don't know. There's a lot of lot of mystery. Yeah, the question is then, did the cleaning ladies leave it in order to make sure whoever... Well, no, because they don't want them to find out who did the killing. So that would... Well, and they say sense. later on that they had nothing to do with that. I think one of their lines is like, that's not... The, the tongue was not a part of our story, um, which we'll talk about at the end. I find it a little bit strange. Hank is very adamant. He's like, I'm not a murderer. And then he like, aside, he's like, but I did cut out that tongue. And they're like, wait, what'd you say, Hank? And he's like... Oh, nothing. I didn't say anything about cutting out a tongue. And they're like, you repeated it. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not a murderer. And they're like, okay, that's fair. I don't... He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, <laughs> there... Okay, so we are back with a similar situation because they've got Raymond in the chair. And then is this mm-hmm. where we go flashback to Wheeler and we find out who kills Wheeler? Yes, we get the kind of confirmation that Navarro was the one that kind of pulled the trigger. I think Danvers even makes some kind of mention like, hey, she was about to do it, but it was Navarro that that does it. And I want to ask, like, at the very end of the sequence, we get like a baby crying in the background. Did you, Is I don't know what to make of that. Are we supposed to read into that more? Is that a hallucination of Danvers? Is that is that actually Holden? Like that is like an adopted son of Danvers? Or is it just to kind of say, like, that's kind of how messed up this household was and they're leaving a baby behind? Um, uh, this could be a wild swing. I thought the implication was that the baby was was Leah. No? I don't think it can be because I think she was, like, already a teenager at that time or, or at least, a, like, 10. I think they made mention of it. I could be wrong, but that was my initial inclination as well. Like, maybe that is Leah and it's the adopted kid. But, I yeah, they didn't really spell it out very well. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's just, I mean, sometimes these shows are like, hey, viewer, are you sad? Would you like to be sadder? Would you like (laughs) this to make you real sad? We're going to show a woman who is killed from domestic violence. We're going to show some cops murder, that murderer. And oh, by the way, guess who's in the room? This baby holding Mm. two white doves that the baby (laughs) then strangles. Wow. Thanks, show. <laughs> Got real dark. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, you didn't read it any of this, right? We're going into this just based on what our own eyes saw. No, what I kind of said about like it potentially being like Holden, uh, the adopted son, or if it's a hallucination. That's kind of what I saw on the internet. Somebody on the internet did say that it, based on the math or based on something somebody said that it w- couldn't be Leia, but. Okay. That was where my went well, during first watch. I don't think it's Holden because I think, I mean, she. Ooh, never mind. I'm not going to go down that path. Um, I <laughs> we, don't never, we, I would, we don't know. We don't know this baby yeah, is. We, we don't know. We don't know whose baby it is or whether or not uh, the baby has uh, been adopted by any of them. Uh, this is you mentioned this before. We have this moment where Danvers. I mean, at this point, is she just messing with Navarro? She's like, she just cuts the orange peel in the swirl pattern. And she mm-hmm. also sees the tongue print on the ground. What was that supposed to be? I've got a lot of questions about that. <laughs> yeah, this episode was just so heavy in the hallucinations, the spiritual, like you don't know what's what's kind of going on. And is it them getting so close to this murder or finally questioning Raymond that has them kind of seeing more things? But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but it was cool. Uh, sure, it was, it was cool, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It felt like the show was like, hey, don't forget about the tongue, because this is the tongue print on the ground. 
Mm-hmm. And I've licked the ground before. Your tongue print doesn't stay as long as this tongue print has stayed. Um, <laughs> but I guess we live in a different climate. Yeah, you're done in Alaska. Yeah, next time I'm in the cold, I'm going to lick the ground. All right. <laughs> so I think we then kind of cut to more interrogation of Raymond. And he's kind of, he, he has the impression that like the ghost of Annie is the one that killed them and is like doing all this. Like he keeps kind of repeating like she's here, she's coming for us kind of a deal. Right. And then we see in his flashback, something is happening at the station and he runs to the hatch Mm -hmm. and that's where he meets David Hume and John Locke uh, (laughs) of lost fame. Mm -hmm. And a lot of bad things are happening while Raymond is holding this hatch and he claims that Annie killed them. He also claims that time is a flat circle. I think he meant Earth is a flat circle. <laughs> but that's a tie into season one, right? Like that was like the exact line that uh, Russ says. While yeah, he's getting... but I don't. Is it a tie-in if we just use a like a phrase? Like I, I, this felt cheap too. They're like, hey, what's something they said in season one? Oh, they said time is a flat circle. Uh, let's have this madman yell it. Okay, great. <laughs> This is True Detective, season four. I don't know. This felt weird, I, too. Yeah, I did see, like, a rabbit hole on Reddit that talked about, like, if time is really a flat circle. I think later on, we see Navarro's perspective. Like, she sees Raymond, like, standing up and kind of doing that, like, siege, like standing seizure and then turn and say she's coming or whatever. But she sees that from the other perspective of her actually looking at his face while he's doing this. And the camera does some, like, weirdly weird twitching and stuff. Like... There, there could be some stuff going on here of, of like, Navarro being, like, either kind of possessed or taken over by, like, this ghost and or she becomes a ghost at some point and is able to see these events uh, at the same time. It's, like, all happening at the same time and you can go interchangeably. Like, again, very far down rabbit hole kind of stuff, but there's just so much going on in this final sequence that if you wanted to go down that spiritual and things are just going crazy you can just draw all sorts of, of wild through lines. Yeah, I'm not going to take more than what the show's giving me. And what the show's <laughs> giving me is they were like, hey, let's tie it into season one. Have him shout this. And uh, that's what happened. It's a good uh, line, though. Sure. I mean, it, I mean, I immediately I clued in. I was like, oh, that's incredible. That's from season. And then I thought about it a little more, and I was like, all right. Is it incredible? <laughs> I don't even know what time is a flat circle means. Um, Danvers pulls the necklace and the cross out of her hair what is this about this is the same thing that happened to Navarro when she was driving and this seems to be like her mother's crucifix I'm sorry lowercase t you Mm -hmm. mean a cross a cross from where anyways (laughs) what was what was happening here yeah it seems like they were almost seeing each other's hallucinations I would almost argue this is a cross hallucination but uh, I don't know solid solid (laughs) I think I think my need to get an arrested development joke might have ruined the cadence <laughs> of your cross hallucination joke, but I I appreciate you, Tom. A hundred internet points, good work. But I mean, we had we we've already kind of had this before from Navarro's standpoint, yeah, right? Like she saw driving. the well, yeah, she's driving. She sees this one-eyed polar bear that seemingly was just a toy of of Holden, young Holden. And them, I guess, playing that game where they kind of hold their hand over their eye kind of a deal. So that's why, I guess, the the stuffy had one eye. And I I don't really know what the significance of the game, but I like how they kind of did that. So, yeah, again, late in the game for them to kind of do this. But, again, I thought it was fun. I thought it was trippy. I don't know what it means, but it was cool. None of it means anything. 
because <laughs> the polar bear didn't kill anyone and neither did the crucifix. So uh, let's pump through this. Pete's doing some more body disposal. We get a power, to, power outage in the town, which just seems absolutely terrible. Um, we have... Danvers like waking up at the facility it seems very cold despite the fact that she has like a bunch of jackets and blankets I don't know <laughs> uh, Raymond and Navarro are outside and Raymond has frozen to death and he looks like he did not enjoy freezing to death um, and Navarro let him which I thought was uh, interesting was this mercy what was this was this mercy or was this Navarro being vindictive I don't really know how this kind of happened. Like he wasn't like in distress. He seemed to like just kneel down and then just take this freezing. But is Navarro just sitting there like watching him? Like I didn't, I didn't really understand kind of how this sequence happened. But you know, appreciate oh, the idea of yeah. all these uh, Salal guys getting it in the same fashion. Yeah, getting it in the same fashion. <laughs> if you watch the deleted scenes, there's a ten minute scene uh, where Navarro goes, "Are you frozen yet?" And he's like, "No." She's like, "Are you frozen yet?" No. <laughs> then it's just like three minutes of silence. How about now? No, but I'm cold. I'm going closer. Yeah. His tongue's freezing. And then he uh, freezes to death. I don't know. It seemed like a mercy kill to me, but I've never frozen to death. So mm -hmm. maybe he felt good in the end. He's with Annie now uh, on a different flat circle. <laughs> or maybe he'll come back because time is a flat circle. I don't mm -hmm. know what it means. I mean, I guess I'm just going to start using it in normal day. I'm going to be like checking out of the grocery store. They're going to be like, have a good day. I'll be like, hey, time's a flat circle. See you around. And then just wait to get arrested or have my tongue ripped out, I guess. Um, That's great. They go to find the generator. My wife was like, there's a bunch of cars in that garage. Just turn a car on. I mean, they've got heaters. Mm -hmm. I was like. You are a smart lady. And I looked at her <laughs> straight in the eye and I said, time's a flat circle. Um, and now we're getting divorced. So, Tom, I'll be moving in with you soon. Please. We got, we got a spare bedroom. Oh, the only, I guess it wasn't really a jump scare, but they do have in the background this creepy lady following Navarro around. And I was like, no, thank you. I've seen the ring. Don't want to see it again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, where it's like the lights kind of come on, she's there, and then she's gone. Super creepy, out of focus. I mean, I, my assumption, it's maybe like the spirit of her mother. Um, and maybe Doing what, this... Tom? Why? Why is it the know. spirit she's, of her mother? She's hanging out. She's watching. She's like, she's got any oranges? <laughs> no, Mom, she I don't have any like, oranges. Leave me alone. Nudge, <laughs> nudging Navarro into like a certain path. Like, I, I don't know. And if you want to say that like g there are ghosts and they can kind of like be possessed by like different spirits, like maybe that that was what was like plaguing her mother for all those years. Um, mm. And she just couldn't couldn't cope with it. So I, again, I, I don't know, but super creepy background shot. Yeah. So all of this is happening while they're like wandering around. Danvers sees the hubcap in the hall. I was like, oh, cool. Use it as a Frisbee. Um, I think this is then where we have the shot of Raymond hyperventilating and says she's mm -hmm. awake. This is all all very creepy. I was like, no, thank you, show. I reject this. And then they show us that Rose is real and she's cleaning that hunting rifle. And I was just <laughs> like, give me that hunting rifle and I would uh, I would uh, have a good time shooting those reindeer, I guess is what yeah. I was thinking. I appreciate her. She's taking proper care of her, her weapon. She is. She is. Mm -hmm. Pete shows up and he's like, hey, take me to where Julia is. 
and Rose is like, who are you again? And he's like, Pete, I'm Hank's son. She's like, oh, how's Hank doing? And he's like, ooh, uh, Rose, I got news. Um, Hank would like to go where Julie is. And Rose is like, that doesn't make any sense. Where's Hank? Is he in the car? And, and Pete's like, yes, but not in the sense that you think he is. Um, he's anyways. a little wrapped up right now. He's a little wrapped up. Oh, there we go. There we go. And then Rose gets the car, looks in, and she's like, oh, he's a little wrapped up right now. And they high five. She's like, oh, that's great. She's like, hey, I've got a spread out on the table. I've got a feast for 800 people. Come have some ham. Let me go get my red dress. Let me go get my red dress. We'll dance. Um, yeah, so they're going to dispose of a body. We've got a lovely, lovely romantic fire in the garage moment where Navarro is like slowly slipping further into uh, insanity where she, you can just tell she wants to walk out on the ice. She's mm-hmm. not long for this world. Um, and she makes the mistake of saying, hey, Holden, talk to me, which uh, understandably Danvers is like, Danvers is like, don't use your spirit voodoo on me or something like mm-hmm. that. It was, uh, yeah, she was mad and she said some things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that what the line that Danvers gives is like, I'm not merciful. Like, I don't have any mercy left. Like, that was pretty, pretty crazy. But like, yeah, Danvers, I think at one point even tells her like, you know, just go die if you want. And again, I'm wondering if that's potential foreshadowing of Navarro kind of like walking off into the the sunset towards the end and is that kind of her walking off into her demise sure um oof, she wasn't walking off into the sunset tom i don't know much about ennis alaska on december 31st <laughs> but i know she wasn't walking into the sunset but i understand what you're saying and i'm very interested to hear you talk this through because mm-hmm. i did not clue on clue in on navarro was dead the whole time just like Bruce Willis in Lucky Number Slevin, which I watched recently because Tom told me to, and it's a really good movie. Um, <laughs> nice. And I believe Barrett referenced it. So uh, time, people have seen it. Time is a flat circle, as they say, um, when they talk about Lucky Number Slevin. Mm-hmm. All right. Leia calls Liz and says, don't die out there. And I thought Danvers is definitely going to die because <laughs> Leia left her a voice message saying, don't mm-hmm. die. And these two are fighting. So out of stubbornness, Danvers is like, well, I will die now. <laughs> um, but she has a lot of blankets. And I was like, oh, those blankets look so cozy. And then I went on Amazon and bought some blankets. <laughs> I bought one of those weighted blankets where when you put it on, you can't move. Um and uh, it's like a 400-pound weighted blanket. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> nice. Keeps you warm and uh, kidnaps you at the same time. <laughs> Navarro goes outside. Danvers follows. Navarro has a flashback. And we find out her name is Sinacha Kwa Aka Chukwa Akawa. This is not that's not bad. I don't I don't know. I I spelled it in the outline, but I don't know how to pronounce it. So I'm not Oh, I just said it, Tom. You don't have to okay. say it. I think I covered it. You did good. But so who's what's your take on this? Who's the one that tells her? Is this her mom? Like I, that was my initial thought. Like her mom's actually finally giving her her name as like a, in the spirit realm or wherever she kind of is here. But when like the hand kind of reaches out to her, the hand has like a lot of like tattoos and and things on it, which I don't think we saw when her mom was in the, the flashbacks pointing at her. And Navarro, I don't think, ever opens her eyes here. She's always, like, has them closed as she's 
seeing whatever is in front of her. So yeah, I, th- I think this is just the spirit of death ready to take her into sweet, sweet nothingness. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, when we find out what the name means, it felt a little on the nose. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm glad she was finally given her name. And, I mean, I don't know. Can you imagine explaining this to people? Like, a couple of days down the road, you're at the bar, you're, like, having a drink, and you mm-hmm. introduce yourself with your, you know, native name, and they're like, oh, how'd you get that? And you're like, listen, I was going to commit suicide on the ice, like, four days ago, and then this spirit told me my name, and so now that's my name. And if I listened to that story, I'd just be like, you just wanted a cool name, and you came up with it on your own, right? So, um, but I'm a terrible person, so that's where I'm. That's where I'm at in all of this, Tom. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I like this sequence. I'd like that we get that kind of bit of closure for Navarro and her actually getting this because she got. Um, who was the one guy that showed up very briefly? Was it Oliver uh, that kind of like shunned her almost for not knowing her name? Right. Um, yeah. So I, I appreciate that she got this. Right. No, I'm like the guy that visits the surf instructor in Hawaii, and he tells him his Hawaiian name. Um, that's the guy. Peepiopi. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, Danvers. Oh, this was devastating. Uh, Danvers sees Holden in the ice and goes in after him, and I was like, oof, bad move. That water is probably pretty tepid. Um, and... <laughs> Sure enough, we've got a hand in the water that pulls her out. And whose hand is it, Tom? Samwise Gamgee. Samwise Gamgee. That's right. (laughs) He says something like, "Uh, you can't leave without me, Mr. Frodo, because of the (laughs) ring and Mordor. And Mm -hmm. then Tolkien died. Um, Yeah, I had the same thought. The way this was, I was like, "Oh no, don't do the hand thing." I don't think they did. I don't think they did the hand shot from Lord of the Rings, but it's darn near close. Just the way mm-hmm. they like make the water, whatever they do to make the water look like that. I had the same exact thought. And then it's a super cool visual, and this is like the visual we see in the opening credits, right? Of like somebody kind of floating at the surface of the ice. Don't know. I don't watch the opening credits, Tom. There's a skip <laughs> button. Skip it every time. Although it is quite a bop. That jam that plays for the um, Billy Eilish the credits. Uh, who? It's Billy Eilish. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's featured in like I recognized the song when we first watched the uh, the show, and we couldn't figure out where I had seen it before. It's in the movie Sing Two, which we'd watch with our children or our child, excuse me. Uh, that has this like super creepy lemur singing the song, and it's great and fantastic, and I recommend people watch it. Hmm. Okay, I'm assuming <laughs> the movie Sing Two is about people singing, so I will have to decline. Uh, <laughs> I only watch shows about people dancing, but not doing no. both. <laughs> Liz has a flashback of Holden, and this is where she finally looks Navarro dead in the eyes, and she says to him, no, she says to her, what did he say? And then Navarro's like, he sees you. And I was like, Mm. all right, well, that's not necessarily profound, but kind of creepy, honestly, based on Danvers. (laughs) um, Based on some of Danvers' activities, I don't know if we want Holden to be watching, if (laughs) I'm being perfectly honest. Well, like all the... the flashbacks we get of or Danvers with her son is kind of her like laying down and playing this little game where they're kind of covering each other's eyes and when she says this I feel like 
Danvers almost has like a moment of clarity here where she's really starting to believe in kind of the spiritual things and, and the things that she has been seeing, where she's been trying to push it all aside and say like, this isn't possible. I think she's starting to to turn around on it a bit here. Sure. Which would be paralleled with season one, because at the end of season one, you have McConaughey, they're leaving the hospital and he like looks into the stars and he's like, now I see the stars as like light peering through the darkness, like defeating mm-hmm. the darkness. I don't, I'm paraphrasing. Obviously I haven't read True Detective season one chapter and verse in a long time. Yeah. Time um, is a flat circle. You're good. Although our pastor had a lovely sermon about it on Sunday. <laughs> um, but so it is like, there is a lot of parallel here with, mm-hmm. with her, her becoming or like being open to, uh, yes. There's other forces mm-hmm. at hand here. So mm-hmm. uh, cut back to uh, Rose and Pete. This was, uh, I mean, lovely moment with Liz and Navarro. And then we're back and Rose is like, hey, I'm going to cut into the lungs so the body sinks. So don't look over here. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, brutal. yeah, rough, rough time. <laughs> um, Pete's like, you know, that's my dad, right? She's like, you shot him in the face. And he's like, touche, touche. Um <laughs> He sank like a stone, just right mm-hmm. to the bottom. Didn't even, like that old man in that Seinfeld episode, swimming in the Hudson, just jumped and <laughs> sunk to the bottom. So that's a little trick, Tom. If you ever need to get rid of a body, you got to pierce the lungs so they don't fill up with air. So yeah, did you write that down? Mm-hmm. Yep, I took a note. Wonderful. Um, I appreciated this conversation because Rose is like, listen, I bet you think the worst part is done. You got rid mm-hmm. of the body. You shot him in the face. She said, you shot him in the face multiple times, I think. And then I cut his lungs. And Pete's like, you're going into a lot of detail about something I'm trying to forget. She's like, well, guess what? The worst part's not over. It's going to be every day from now on. Yeah, her line was great. Like, the worst is what comes after. And I'm assuming, and based on her knowledge of, like, piercing the lungs and throwing a guy into the ocean, my assuming is she's speaking from experience, right? Like, this is what she did with Travis, her, her husband, Russ, Russ uh, Cole's dad. Um, like we don't really know what the circumstances of that was. I think she said he had like leukemia. So maybe this was just kind of like a, a mercy thing where she kind of like put him out of his misery. Like I don't, I don't really know what the, the sequence is here, but Rose is, is definitely speaking from experience from my standpoint. Oh, I assumed this was just because we've watched her clean animals. I didn't I didn't realize Rose was the body disposal queen of NS. I don't I don't know. But because <laughs> like, why would she have to hide Travis? Well, we don't have to get into it. But um, you took that much darker. You you took Rose's background in a much darker place than I took Rose's. I did. I, I just think she's a lovely woman who loves to put out a spread. She's mm-hmm. like, would you like? Any assortment of meats or delicacies, here is my table covered in them. By the she way, great Happy New Year! <laughs> yeah, those Northern Lights, they were beautiful. They were beautiful. beautiful. Time of year. I mean, it's a beautiful show. I mean, everything mm-hmm. about the show, just beautiful. From the corpses pointing, to the dead people, to the murdering, to the shooting in the face. Real lovely show. I look forward mm-hmm. to watching this every holiday season. <laughs> on Christmas. On Christmas. Are you going to watch it on New Year's now, too? Uh, yeah. From Christmas <laughs> to New Year's, I will watch the whole series every day between then and now. I told you, she's divorcing me. What else am I going to do? <laughs> I mean, it's six episodes, right? So from the 25th to uh, 31st, you're good. Yeah, this is my advent calendar. <laughs> I think that's how those work. Then we have the moment with Danvers and Navarro, 
and we have them recalling Raymond's testimony, which was taken under mm-hmm. just uh, duress, uh, so probably <laughs> won't hold up in court. Uh, but he was holding the hatch, and Danvers was like, "What did you say?" And Navarro's like, he was holding the hatch. I'm pretty clear. I'll, it's only a couple of words. And Dan was mm-hmm. like, what did you say? And Navarro's like, you know what? I don't want to be partners anymore. And then they <laughs> run Shots over to the hatch. Jagger. They run over to the hatch. And what do we find? Fingers missing in the handprint. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. With some science that I didn't really understand. It was some blacklight stuff going on, but it was cool. And, I mean, we didn't know what this meant, but we did clock that uh, this lady was missing fingers. And she came back into play. Yeah, so did we solve this, Tom? I think we solved this. I think we Pretty were. Much. Yeah, uh, we could there, probably just shut off the lights, we, turn off the mics. We threw some things out there, like Navarro was the killer. I mean, you know, obviously we didn't ever believe that, truly. <laughs> um, did we always think it was the hourly employees that worked those jobs that were the real murderers? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. That's what we yeah. did. If you go back and re-listen to the podcast in the subtext of what we were saying, we said it was the... The cleaning ladies. Yes, and if you start mm-hmm. it while listening to, I don't know, The Who uh, or The Doors album, and you play it backwards, you'll see that we've <laughs> really told you who the killer was. I think that's a thing. Um, okay, so who knows who killed Annie Kay is the right mm. question. Which, yep. Tom, if I spent a bunch of time with you and you were constantly like, no, ask the right question. That's the right question. I'm going to be honest. We would not be friends. I would never talk with you. I would find it super annoying. So okay. this, is probably about taking why, that up. this is probably why no one likes Danvers. It's mm-hmm. like you're always correcting everyone's questions. Also, yeah, Danvers... you send food back at the restaurant. So no one likes you. <laughs> probably. Do you think Danvers is just, she's so distraught from losing her husband, losing her son that she's not, she pushes everybody away purposely. Like you think that's kind of like, what we're what we're being given here because she's just miserable to everybody right like she doesn't want to get close to anybody no i think that's an easy excuse but i just think she's a terrible person and those yeah, flashbacks okay. she's like she's looking at her kid and he and she's like you're asking the wrong questions a stands for <laughs> apple b stands for ball what does c stand for and holden's like oh why are you yelling at me and he and she's like that's the right question why am i yelling at you because I'm a terrible person. And that's when the husband and Holden left her forever. And so there was no car accident. Tom, big twist. She's just a terrible person and no one wanted to live with her. Boom, we solved it. <laughs> Season two. <sighs> or four, five, whatever it is. Whatever, yeah. Who can count? All right, it was the cleaning ladies. This, Listen, this seems like... We're really laying a lot on these ladies that are that are cleaning this facility. I don't, in the end, you know what? I think they're innocent. I don't believe it. But the show makes us think it's the cleaning ladies. Mm-hmm. I like the way they did this. Like, again, I never saw it coming. But once they do kind of show it, like they've shown over and over this season that the police are not willing to do anything to, to help some of these um, like native individuals that are like protesting the mine or obviously the, the killing of Andy Kotak. Um, and they started finding stuff at the facility that led them to believe, like they found the star-shaped um, uh, weapon or whatever that they saw killed Annie. They saw, I think, the evidence of the poisoning of the the mine and keeping that stuff under wraps. So them taking the, uh, as you call it, the Alaskan justice into their own hands. I, I thought it was great. Alaskan justice. That is great. Wednesdays at 5.30 a.m. on the <laughs> History Channel. Love that show. 
Mm-hmm. Watch it every day at 5 a.m. Um, okay. So, we have a group of... This was like a clown car of ladies. They just keep appearing in the living room. You're like, oh, there was two of them. It seems like there's a third one. Then there's a fourth one. I was like, how many rooms and closets does this house have? <laughs> Tom, I am firmly of the belief that if you tell one other person anything they're supposed to keep secret, it will not stay a secret. So I have a real hard time believing <laughs> that this consortment of, I don't know, 15 to 40 hundred People kept a secret about murdering all these Salal guys. Uh, they do show the flashback of them like showing up with shotguns and mm-hmm. rounding them all up, putting them in a truck. They made them fold their clothes, and they were like, oh, night justice. She'll either let them live or take them. But does this explain... Like one of the things the show is like, oh, they have such terrified faces. They died before they froze. No, they didn't. They froze to death, and they froze mm-hmm. to death not being terrified by something. They just froze to death by running, and they all stayed together. They all, what, were they huddling for warmth? I've got so many questions, Tom. So many questions that the show, I don't know. Once again, I'm happy with this ending, but <laughs> if you dig a little bit deeper than the surface, you're kind of like, I don't know, show, you told us this, this, and this, and that's not necessarily what happened, Right. Well, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think like the corpsicle and the way the expressions on their faces, like it was a lot. And that's not really how somebody would die if they were trapped in the cold for an extended period of time. It was just more like fantasy than anything else. But I think you could argue and explain away some of the symptoms they had with like the eardrums or glassy eyes. Like some of that I think could actually be proven as things that can happen to people that get hypothermia or freeze. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't. I can't reconcile the crazy looks on their faces unless they didn't actually meet some sort of ghost or spirit. We know everybody, like all of our main characters are seeing things and are having hallucinations. So why would these Salal guys be any different? You think they had a collective... Okay, so your point is they had a collective hallucination while they were out on the ice of this Mm -hmm. like spirit taking them Alaskan justice style, spirit style, (laughs) Cajun style. And that's why they had those silly faces on or their 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 faces on their silly face. That doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. Um, Tom, if you and I were freezing to death on the ice in a situation like this, over the wind whistling, Jimmy put in a wind whistling um, uh, sound effect right here, and um, this is what this is what you would hear as I was standing next to you with my like teeth chattering. You'd hear me go, "Did I do that?" <laughs> did i do that and you'd be like julian we're freezing to death what are you doing and i'd be like listen if i'm gonna die i want urkel's did i do that face uh, frozen forever <laughs> and so it would just be me doing that impression over and over again until i died and my face wow. froze going did i do that so oh, there you go i kind of understand I think I their would... faces now I would put my I would put my fingers uh, like in a little circle, my, my index finger, my thumb, and I'd flip it upside down and put my <laughs> make myself glasses, and then that's how I freeze. Yeah. As the cops are like, these guys are so terrified. <laughs> this guy looks like a '90s sitcom character that no one really understood, and this guy he clearly didn't have his glasses, so he hallucinated that he needed them. 
And they were like, good job, chief. And he's like, you're asking the wrong questions. Why did this guy need glasses? And uh, perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So when you guys find us dead on the ice, that's what happened. Um, Slab avalanche. Slab avalanche. (laughs) I love how quickly these two cops are like, hey, let's not get murdered in this living room by Mm -hmm. all of these uh, nice ladies. Uh, Slab avalanche. Have you guys heard of it? It's what killed everyone. Um, well, I, I, I like the conversation they have back and forth where she, like the, the, the main woman here is like kind of explaining the whole situation and kind of what they did. But then she finishes it by saying, but like, it's just a story. Like, it's not, we're not saying it's true, but it's it's a story. It's their depiction of the things that kind of like went on and went and happened, which certainly Navarro's and Danvers are well-versed in. Like they've created stories to cover up stuff before. So why not do it again when this is probably a, a much more cleaner end of the story? Do you think the next day when Danvers and and Navarro meet, they're like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should arrest them because they killed a lot of people. Like, I don't know. Did Did they? they? Do they have that conversation? Oh, did? Oh, you just think they facilitated their freezing to death. They didn't do the killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave them they gave him a chance. Okay. I mean, I don't know what the chance was. Alaskan Alaskan ice justice. Tom's for it. Mm-hmm. Um all right, I have a I just have the phrase Annie's tongue question mark, and I don't know that we get an answer. If you have yeah. an answer for us, if we miss something, please write to us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. In the subject line, put Annie's tongue question mark. You're not asking the right questions, question mark. Uh, Venmo, $40 to Julian, question mark. And we'll read it. Yeah. But again, again, we this is Navarro asking her about the tongue and trying to reconcile what's going on with that. And I like her response saying that it was uh, not a part of, of their story. So potentially a part of somebody else's, and we just don't know who's. Tom, not only am I going to start saying time is a flat circle, just interjecting <laughs> that, I'm also going to say that's not part of our story. Uh, anytime I don't know something, when someone asks me a question, I'm just be like, it's not part of my story, man. And mm-hmm. uh, once again, I will probably get arrested for it. So that's good. All right. We cut to deposition time, a little mm. recording. And they're asking about Otis Heiss and Hank. They're like, isn't it a little bit strange that they died on the same? (laughs) And I was like, oh, great. Depositions are awesome. I wish Danvers would have winked at the camera and said, you're not asking the right questions. I just like the callback here. Like this is this to me is like very classic True Detective, at least yeah. season one of the the deposition. It allows us as like an audience to get a handful of things, kind of wrap up some loose ends. It's cool. I did. I did get the callback once again. They were like, "All right, in order for this to be a True Detective story, we're gonna have to do a deposition that's recorded at some point and show them at a conference table." Uh, mm-hmm. Also, someone has to shout time as a flat circle. Who'd like to shout time as a flat circle? The actor that was Raymond was like, I'll do it. And they're like, okay, when? He's like, oh, I'll just pick a time. It's not going to matter anyways. They're like, it's cool. A flat circle. All right. So, uh, I, I, and their cover story is like, oh, Hank and Hess had a, the deal had gone bad. And so one got shot. And, um, and they're like, oh, it's odd that Clark died the same way as the other Salal men. And I'm just like, oh, this show shouldn't be called True Detective. It should just be called Bad Detective. Bad Detectives. <laughs> We're not good at our job. A Night Story. Season five. <laughs> Boom. Write it. 
She makes some comment about like the body went missing, but it'll turn up in the summer. It always does, which I thought was a pretty cool line. Well, then she goes, or it won't. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, if I was doing that deposition, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, wait, but why did you like, and she like wink, she essentially winks at the camera. She's like, the body will always show her up or it won't. And I said, mm-hmm. sure, which is exactly what I meant to say. I didn't mean show. Um, all right. So the the deposition of guys like and you don't happen to know what happened to navarro and we have all these like lord of the rings type endings where it's just mm-hmm. like scene after scene after scene and we're like will the show ever end but navarro does show up at a bed and breakfast overlooking a lake um so well, that's kind of at the end i think in this sequence we get uh, like navarro seemingly the kind of again I, like i mentioned earlier i think during the episode, she kind of walks into the snow and kind of disappears and has that like little flashback where she learns her name. Um, but at the end here, she also has like a sequence where she really is kind of the sun has finally come out and she's kind of poetically like walking out into the sunset into seemingly nothingness. So I don't know if that's and, and this is where I'll kind of theorize potentially is is, is that kind of signifying that. Dan or Navarro has has died and she's kind of passed over and now she's kind of a ghost and I'm gonna I'm just gonna jump to the end here because the way they filmed this last scene um of like showing Navarro and Danvers kind of like in the same house I took it more like they don't look at each other it's framed like the frame of the shot it kind of cuts like a wall between them like Danvers is kind of sitting down and then Navarro's kind of comes in like they don't look at each other it makes me think that maybe Navarro is a ghost here. Uh, I think you can you can see it that way as opposed to her just like hanging out and Danvers is protecting her. I understand what you're saying in terms of how that shot is done where it is like they're there but they're not together. Mm-hmm. And the only the only explanation that seems reasonable to me is that these two have been sending each other letters through the mailbox over the course of time. They're living in two different times at the lake house. Mm, And one of them is Keanu Reeves and the other is Sandra Bullock. Mm. And so one of them, they're like answering each other's letters from past and future. That's how I took that scene. Um, Listen, like the, the whole concept of time is a flat circle and like the fifth dimension of like time, not really being a thing. I think what the other Matthew McConaughey movie in, uh, what was the space one? The No, that one doesn't matter. Let's stay with the lake house. So the <laughs> okay. lake house is essentially season five of True Detective, which is a movie I've never seen, but I've listened to people talk about. So I feel that I can talk about it. You were thinking of Interstellar, which mm. is season 12 of True Detective, <laughs> okay. where um, Matthew McConaughey's character is no longer a detective, but a spaceship commander. And he gets sent into a black hole where he pushes books off of a shelf and everyone gets confused. And then Tenet runs backwards. So, yes. Also, Oppenheimer makes a bomb. Um, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, Batman Begins, Memento. uh, They're dead the whole time. Wait, what? They're dead the whole time. No, 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 no. That's not a Nolan. That's a... Never mind. (laughs) All right, so let's get back to this. So you think... 
Like, so I'll say, so before I jump to the end here, like Navarro seemingly left a bunch of stuff behind, right? So she left the SpongeBob toothbrush back to Quavic. She left the little polar bear teddy bear on uh, Danvers like bed, giving it back to her. She leaves like the confession uh, from Raymond on the phone. So kind of like everything that Danvers need. Um, so for her to kind of then like mysteriously show up with her at the end and like, oh, they're still just buddies and chums hanging out, I don't think makes as much sense as, as potentially her just kind of being like a spirit and a ghost that is now just there and Ennis looking after Danvers. So you think Navarro, the story of Navarro is she does all this, she finds Annie's murder, she solves that, she solves the Salal murder, and then in the end she walks out on the ice and kills herself. And that's her happy ending. That's what you're. I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that's exactly what happened. I just think that based off of the, what we've seen in this show, I don't think you can like say that's not exactly how it happened. Because we know that Dan or, or Navarro was kind of plagued with feeling that she was cursed, feeling that she didn't belong, kind of a thing. Um, I I hope that didn't happen, but I think the way it was shot at, to the audience and it kind of allows us to to think about that and, and think like, we don't know exactly what, what happened here. I, I see what you're getting at. I don't like the idea of them being like, listen, she solved everything. So at that point, suicide was okay. And she walked out <laughs> into the sunset. I don't, I don't really like that. <laughs> I, I understand. I, I see what you're getting at, but I thought of it as, Hey, she couldn't stick around because of the things she'd done. Like she mm-hmm. killed Wheeler. Um, she killed Raymond Clark. Like she did some good by solving all these things, but maybe her being around will cause all these questions. So I took it as she had to disappear, but we want her, we want the show's like, Hey, we want you to know that Danvers and Navarro like stayed together. They Mm -hmm. stayed true detectives together. (laughs) And so that's how I took it. I did not take her as her being dead. Also, She's the one that leaks the video of Raymond Clark talking about the pollution and exposing the mind, which I guess the mm-hmm. mind gets closed. And so then you would think she would also have a target on her back. Um, yeah. So I took it to mean she was still alive, but flying under the radar. Got a lot of thoughts about, you know, how she's, you know, I don't know, affording rent and food <laughs> and health insurance, those types of things. But uh, conveniently, the show had polar bears that were one eyed in it with eye patches mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i won't think about that stuff um <laughs> but i i am with you though like my first watch that was my take that it was just kind of straight up that she's kind of in hiding they're still kind of together and 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 that but when i kind of just did some digging on the internet like the concept of her being a ghost and that spirituality element i just wanted to bring that up on the on the pod because i do think it's interesting because that's what this entire season was all about right it kind of played both sides of the fence and allowed you as an audience member to kind of determine what is real and what is what is a hallucination what's not there i thought that was it was fun sure sure i hope true detective dark country season five is rose and pete just solving crimes and putting people down with hunting rifles that's my (laughs) that's my hope um the you noticed something about them driving and eating a sandwich what's going on here why is this important <laughs> oh i just they kind of had like a quick little shot of danvers and leia like they drive in they're they're good chums again i guess they're all, all the events uh, brought them closer but it seemed like they were eating the same exact sandwich that that one scientist was making in his like youtube blog or whatever so i thought that'd be good if they found that recipe and now they made this super 
fancy Salel sandwich. Yeah, she watched his TikTok <laughs> video of how to make a peanut butter and pickle sandwich, and then oh, they gross. made it. Don't you dare say gross. It is <laughs> the food of my people that we had to do during the Great Depression, and it's an incredible sandwich. Please don't hate on it. Um, all right. Is there anything else? I guess the only thing I wanted to touch touch on was, and we talked about it earlier, but did you feel like they played up the horror element of the show, and I don't feel like in the end, like what they were essentially saying is, hey, we have a character here who's maybe two characters here who are maybe going through some mental anguish. They're having like hallucinations. And so the horror stuff of this show comes from like the not unreliable narrator, narrator but, but what's happening inside of their head. And so mm-hmm. ultimately the horror stuff was all just for show and it came down to real people doing real murder for real reasons. Um, I don't know. I felt like it was a bit of a cop out if I'm, if I'm being honest, it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I didn't enjoy it. It just means you talk about like landing the plane. It's like land the plane in the real world or land the plane in the spiritual world. (laughs) What are we doing here? I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. I, yeah, like I think I mentioned at the very beginning, I kind of had that same thought where some of the things I kind of thought were going to happen didn't happen, and it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit, which, you know, as a viewer could sometimes be aggravating, especially in the finale. But the more I kind of sat with the show, the more I kind of appreciated what they did and how they tried to tow both lines of kind of both like more the realistic versus spiritual elements um, and like the native culture and, and how they uh, dealt with um, the things that were kind of happening in their town. I thought it was. I thought it was cool, and I I liked it. Uh, I I, you know, I hear what you're saying about like the horror elements. I mean, it's obviously just fun and entertaining t- television to have some of that baked into, especially True Detective that never really had that before. Um, but obviously, these characters had haunted past, so it makes sense that they would be haunted in the in the show. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. I enjoyed all six episodes. You know what I loved about it? It was six episodes. So yes. <laughs> nice, tight story. Mm-hmm. Um, the episodes were not, although this one was an hour and 20 minutes, I'll forgive it because they took care of everything, but it's a new day, Tom. It's January 1st. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed going through this show with you. And despite the fact that we didn't guess that it was a group, a cabal of women, um, <laughs> who all had shotguns. You know, we got close, so yeah. that's. Something. I think I lost my gumshoe power in this episode or this no, season, but that's okay. You, it, that's like a gumshoe emeritus. Once you get it, you, it can't be unless you <laughs> oh, say yeah. something really terrible on Twitter. <laughs> it can't be taken from you. So okay, I think you're safe for now. Uh, thank you all for joining us. If you've enjoyed. Two idiots talk about a show that was bonkers. <laughs> you can rate and review us at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can reach out to us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. We're always open to hearing about shows you're enjoying in case it's something you'd like us to hop on. Uh, Tom let me know that Outer Range Season 2 is in the works, which <laughs> ooh, they don't get more bonkers than Buffalo <laughs> and Bear and Ranch and Brolin shouting at God. Um, Tom, what did I what did I miss? Yeah, follow us on the socials at Team Binge or at Team Binge Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. 
Um, like you said in the, uh, earlier on in the pod, if, if there's stuff that we missed or you have your theories about this show, this is definitely one that you can probably continue to go down rabbit holes and try to solve some of these extra like lingering questions. Like, why did the caribou jump off? Were they, you know, possessed or having hallucinations too? Like, there are still a lot of kind of loose threads. If you want to talk through them, uh, reach out and, and let us know. Otherwise, we're, we're currently doing Masters of the Air, the, or the uh, Apple TV Plus show. Fantastic show. We definitely recommend you guys check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, be coming out with more content here soon. For Team Binge, the night country, <laughs> I have been Julian. And I have been Gumshoe Tom. Good night, everybody. Thank you.